evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Ukrainian and Russian forces engaging in heavy fighting. Russia is prioritizing attacks against Ukrainian air bases and they say they've achieved their goals for the day. And amid the biggest ground war in Europe in decades, how is the U.S. reacting? We bring you the latest on President Biden's announcement today. Russian troops moving on to the streets of Ukraine, but one country has avoided calling the act an invasion. It's a country that one expert says it could actually benefit from the war. The People's Convoy is continuing their journey to D.C. They made their first stop last night at a pizza place in western Arizona, and the owners served them over 600 free pizzas. And the number of Americans receiving unemployment benefits has reached a 52-year low. A finance expert says there's more to this number than meets the eye. Ukrainian troops continue to defend the country against invading Russian forces. Fighting has been going on in several regions across Ukraine, and Russia has already captured Chernobyl. Here are the details. Russian tanks and troops began rolling into Ukraine early Thursday, local time. They advanced from three directions, from Belarus in the north, Crimea in the south, and the Russian homeland in the east. Ukrainian officials say their troops are holding their positions in fierce fighting with Russian troops. The most difficult situation is in the south. Our forces are holding fierce fighting outside Kyrgyzstan. The enemy puts pressure on us from occupied Crimea and tries to move in Mariupol's direction. Airborne troops from Russia in Hostomel are blocked. The termination order has been issued. Russia is also launching missile and artillery attacks. Major cities across Ukraine reported large explosions before dawn, including ones that landed in residential areas near the capital city of Kiev. But Russia claims they are only targeting military installations. The armed forces of the Russian Federation are not carrying out any rocket, air or artillery strikes on cities in Ukraine. Strikes by the Russian armed forces resulted in disabling 74 sites of the Ukrainian military infrastructure, including 11 military airfields, three command centers, a Ukrainian naval base, as well as 18 radar stations, S-300 and BUK M1 air defense weapon systems. Russia claims they've incapacitated all of Ukraine's air defenses and air bases. Local residents filmed video footage of suspected Russian military helicopters flying over Kiev. And Ukrainian officials say they were able to shoot some of them down. Kiev is fully in control. Uh, but yes, we do have and we have uh, also captured some of the, and uh, two, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, as of now, helicopters have been shot, uh, uh, the Russian helicopters uh, just outside of Kyiv. The Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. says they do not expect anyone to fight for them, but they expect all the help and all the response the West can send. After heavy fighting, Russian forces captured the Chernobyl nuclear power plant north of Kiev. There's also heavy fighting surrounding Kiev. Ukrainian and Russian forces are battling over a major airport just 15 miles outside the city. NATO condemns the Russian attack. The alliance says it has taken preventative measures to strengthen deterrence and defense, but it's not sending troops to Ukraine. No, there are no NATO combat troops, no troops, uh, NATO troops at all inside Ukraine. Uh, we, we have made it clear that we don't have any plans and any intention of deploying NATO troops to Ukraine. Russia's defense ministry says its armed forces have successfully completed its goals for the day. Ukrainian officials have shut down civilian air traffic and are calling for NATO to make Ukraine a no-fly zone. Meanwhile, Russia also shuts down its southern airspace, canceling all civilian flights in the region. Long lines of cars jam the road leading out of Kyiv, and residents crowd the railway station. Kyiv's mayor advises residents to stay home unless they're involved in critical work. He also urges people to prepare go bags with the necessities and documents they need to evacuate. NTD's Neil Woodrow reports. 
people in Ukraine are trying to flee. This woman was making an attempt to fly from the capital's airport to Baku in Azerbaijan, but her flight had been cancelled due to the escalation of war in Ukraine, leaving her at a loss what to do. We have no place to go. No one is responding to us. We don't know whom to address. We call the hotline, but no one is responding. We call the airline. No one is responding there. We don't know what to do. This man fled his home over 800 miles away in Maripol, eastern Ukraine, with his wife and young child on Wednesday. They took only what they could carry to Lviv in far west Ukraine. They say they are ready to walk across the border into Poland. At 5 o'clock, uh, some colleague called me and say war started and we with wife decide to put all our things in the Lviv. I think what the Russia do is bad and uh, because it's a war, people died, so that's bad. Central European nations that share a border with Ukraine, including Romania, Slovakia, Hungary and Poland, have for weeks braced for an expected flood of refugees searching for sanctuary within the European Union. Some Ukrainians entering the Polish border town Medica said they decided to flee because they believed Russia could push far into Ukraine. This couple have come from nearby Lviv and had seen reports online. We haven't called been it. sleeping for the last two nights, so we've been watching it pretty closely and then I just called it yeah, when I saw it. Yeah. I think there were reports of um, you know, Kharkiv and Mariupol getting approached on, so then, yeah, I just knew that we had to get out, and this was always our plan, to come here. Pixie has family in Ukraine. And how are you feeling now? Oh, just shattered, shattered, not for myself, not, I don't care about my own safety, I just, I care about Ukraine. She has family. And Ukrainians. I'm of Ukrainian heritage, and to see this happening to the country is just devastating. I just... I just can't believe someone could be so evil. Long lines of cars formed on the roads leading out of Kiev. Explosions could be heard before dawn in the city. Gunfire rattled, sirens blared across the city, and the highway out became choked with traffic as residents tried to flee. But some in the traffic aimed to keep their spirits high. I myself am from Lviv. The mood is patriotic. I will take my children away and return. We will fight this off. Ukraine will win, no matter what. Some say the invasion has been coming for some time. The Russian Federation will not stop what they have started. Forget brotherly nations. This is a stab in the back which we expected. Things were heading that way for some time. Now I think they will do whatever they can do to destroy us and our nation, but we will not let them do it. Neil Woodrow, NTD News. And as the invasion plays out, President Biden is rolling out a new series of punishments against Russia. This as more U.S. troops are on the move. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more from Washington, D.C. Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences. Accusing Putin of trying to revive the Soviet Union, President Biden on Thursday rolled out a second and larger wave of sanctions to isolate Moscow from the global economy. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds and yen to be part of the global economy. The new sanctions target four more major banks in Russia and several Russian elites. And this time Russia's defense and high-tech sectors are also targeted. But Biden notably stopped short of sanctioning Russia's energy sector. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. Today at 5 a.m. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials are urging the U.S. to go further. We believe uh, all financial institutions should be sanctioned. We believe Russia should be discontinued from SWIFT. We believe Russia should be uh, discontinued from anything that democratic countries allowed them to be part of. Biden on Thursday defended keeping Russia's access to the SWIFT global payment system, citing ramifications for Europe. He gave the West will face... And the reporter pressed Biden, saying that Putin has been so far undeterred by sanctions. Here's his response. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. 
It has to show. This is going to take time. Meanwhile, the Pentagon is sending 7,000 additional U.S. troops to Europe. But Biden reiterated today that they're not going to fight in Ukraine, but are only there to defend our NATO allies. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Biden is sanctioning Russia, but should the United States do more? NTD's Miguel Moreno has reactions from lawmakers. Republican Senator Mike Braun was asked at the conservative political action conference whether President Biden's sanctions on Russia would be effective. They're not effective when you're doing it after someone does something and when they're kind of light to begin with. Braun says that in his view, the U.S. shouldn't send soldiers to fight alongside Ukraine in a war without a clear purpose and that the U.S. should use its economic strength to deal with Russia. They need to be cut out of capital markets. We need to do, since they are on a full-out onslaught of Ukraine, and not just being peacekeepers in a couple provinces, uh, remember how small their economy is. And it can unravel a lot more quickly than what it took Reagan, you know, when he went after the Soviet Union. Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff also called for sanctions on Thursday. We need to move, I think, to sanction uh, the largest banks in Russia. We ought to cut off Russia from the international financing system and its ability to uh, access uh, Western capital. Uh, we need to attack its ability to gather sophisticated technology for its weapon systems. He told National Public Radio that sanctions aren't enough to stop Putin, but they can make it very painful for him. Some Republicans, like Congressman Bob Good, say President Biden projects weakness, contrary to President Trump. And it's interesting that Russia did not test the United States during the four years of the Trump administration. I'm sure you can remember, as can the viewers, that President Biden bragged during the campaign that Putin was scared to death of him becoming president. He feared President, uh, president Biden, he claimed. But as we know, he has been wrong on every foreign policy issue for his entire career. And this American weakness is de demonstrably dangerous. President Biden said that G7 leaders have agreed to limit Russia's ability to participate in the global economy and to stunt the growth of Russia's military. Miguel Moreno, NTD News. To catch the full interview with Congressman Bob Good and Steve Shabbat, tune into NTD's Capitol Report tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. And officials in the UK are united in opposition to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with the British Prime Minister listing out further economic measures against Russia, similar to the sanctions imposed by the US. Here's more from NTD's Eddie Aitken. The Prime Minister announcing a new package of sanctions against Russia. Defence Secretary Ben Wallace and Foreign Secretary Liz Truss sitting next to the Prime Minister with sombre expressions. For this, Putin will stand condemned in the eyes of the world and of history. He will never be able to cleanse the blood of Ukraine from his hands. And although the UK and our allies tried every avenue for diplomacy until the final hour, I'm driven to conclude that Putin was always determined to attack his neighbour, no matter what we did. Now we see him for what he is, a blood-stained aggressor who believes in imperial conquest. I am proud that Britain did everything within our power to help Ukraine prepare for this onslaught, and we will do our utmost to offer more help as our brave friends defend their homeland. The Prime Minister says new sanctions mean oligarchs in London have nowhere to hide. The sanctions include a freeze on Russia's VTB bank, a limit on deposits Russians can make into UK banks and banning the Aeroflot airline from landing in the UK. He says Belarus would face similar financial sanctions. Cutting Russia out from financial messaging systems SWIFT is also not off the table. The Labour leader also calling to target Russian oligarchs' investments. For too long our country has been a safe haven for the money that Putin and his fellow bandits stole from the Russian people. Yeah. It must now change. Cracking open the shell companies in which stolen money is hidden will require legislation. 
bring it forward immediately, Prime Minister, and Labour will support it, along with the other measures that the Prime Minister has just outlined. The Prime Minister says the US is taking similar financial measures against Russia as the UK. Eddie Aitken, NTD News. And while many Western nations have been quick to clarify their stance on Russia's Ukraine invasion, Russia's most powerful ally doesn't seem to be taking a stand one way or the other. Here's more. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg condemned the invasion as a grave moment for the security of Europe and vowed to defend all of NATO territory. This is a deliberate, cold-blooded and long-planned invasion. NATO, or the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is a military alliance between the U.S., Canada and about 30 European nations. Ukraine is applying to become a NATO member, but hasn't been formally admitted. But what has the other top world power have to say? As Putin's only major partner, China has not expressed particular support for Russia, although in recent years China has developed a closer relationship with Russia, supporting it at the United Nations. And on top of that, just before the Beijing Winter Olympics, the two countries declared a no-limits partnership, backing each other over standoffs on Ukraine and Taiwan, alongside a $100 million gas deal. Despite China's apparent lack of support for Russia's actions, Beijing is not siding with Western countries either. It's so far refused to call Moscow's move an invasion. A Beijing spokesperson dodged the question on Thursday. You are using a typical Western media questioning method of using the word invasion. China is closely monitoring the latest situation. We call on all sides to exercise restraint to prevent the situation from getting out of control. Though the Chinese Communist Party did criticize the U.S. for providing weapons to Ukraine. We wouldn't provide weapons to other sides when we see a risk of conflict, and we would not provide Ukraine with a large number of military facilities and equipment like the U.S. Amid the attack, trade remains an important factor for Beijing. China imports energy from both Russia and Ukraine. Beijing spokesperson explained China and Russia are comprehensive strategic partners, while Ukraine is also a friendly and cooperative partner to China. We will carry on normal trade with both countries, including trade of energy sources. China denounced sanctions against Russia on Wednesday and blamed the U.S. and its allies for provoking Moscow. And as China's stance garners international attention, a Chinese state media outlet may have accidentally released its apparent censorship rules for Russia-Ukraine coverage. A curious post appeared on Chinese social media platform Weibo on Tuesday. It was deleted soon after. In it, state-run video news network Horizon News instructed staff to avoid posting any Ukraine-related content to Weibo that may come across as unfavorable to Russia or as pro-Western. The Post also added that commentaries must be carefully selected and controlled. And Russia's attack on Ukraine may extend beyond geography. One expert says Russia's actions may shift the global power structure, a change that could benefit the Chinese Communist Party. Next, we break down the triangle between the U.S., Russia and China. China Affairs Analyst Tang Jingyuan says Russia's attack is an invasion into a sovereign country, and its actions are forcing the U.S. and Europe to shift their focus. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is indeed forcing the strategic focus of the United States and NATO to shift to Europe. One can say it drastically reduces the pressure on the Chinese Communist Party, and this is actually not in the strategic interest of the United States. Tang says Russia's invasion will likely harm Europe, too something that stands to benefit Beijing. Europe will be even more caught up in the game with Russia. Europe won't have as much energy to deal with the Chinese Communist threat anymore. They may even have to compromise with the Chinese Communist Party in some aspect, because in order to reduce the pressure from Russia, he may have to do so. And what happens if the U.S. steps into the military confrontation with Russia? If an armed conflict really breaks out between Russia and the United States, it will have the same effect as the 9-11 incident. It will cause the entire U.S. strategic and foreign policy focus to totally shift to Europe and to Russia. That will give the Chinese Communist Party time to breathe. But Tang notes Russia doesn't want this either. 
It's the same for Russia. Actually, for Putin, he doesn't want to see the rise of a powerful communist regime, the Chinese Communist Party. He doesn't want to negotiate with his neighbor China or compromise in order to maintain a relationship with it. Tang believes that Russia hopes the entire Western world will take aim at Beijing, not Moscow. But how did the situation get to this point? Tang says Russia would rather take the position of an observer, that is, to watch the U.S. and China duke it out. Putin used to compare a fight between China and the U.S., a fight between a lion and a tiger. And he says Russia is the monkey that's watching the fight, so he really doesn't want to get involved. Ultimately, Tang says Putin changed his stance due to the U.S. and Europe's strategic position towards Russia. Both of them view Moscow as a major enemy and a threat. Coming up, the People's Convoy is continuing their journey to D.C. They made their first stop last night at a pizza place in western Arizona, where the owners served them over 600 pizzas free. The number of Americans receiving unemployment benefits has reached a 52-year low. Finance expert says there's more to this number than meets the eye. That and more here on NTD News. An update on the trucker convoy that's on its way across the country to protest pandemic restrictions. The People's Convoy made its first stop last night at a pizza place in western Arizona. The truckers, whose final destination is Washington, D.C., were able to fill their stomachs with free pizza and fill their tanks with free fuel. NTD's Jason Perry has the story. I'm here right outside of Great American Pizza and Subs. This is the first stop for the People's Convoy headed to D.C. We're here in western Arizona in a city called Golden Valley. And last night, there were at least about 50 trucks and about 50 personal vehicles all stopped here and got free pizza. We're going to talk to the owners to see why they did such a thing. Well, we, we love freedom, number one, okay? And they're, they're traveling the roads to express, look, we want to be free. And so we're all about freedom, you know, in this country. And so when they called and said, how many people can you feed? We didn't really know who it was yet, but they, we told them we can feed a lot of people pretty fast. You know, it's pizza. And so they said, well, well there might be 500 of us. I said, that's all right. And so then they told us who they were, and we said, well, yeah, come on here. You know, we got plenty of room to park. Uh, we got facilities. I know everybody in town. We hurried up and got bathrooms here, and we got extra food and everything for them. And uh, it's awesome. It's awesome that they picked us to, that, that we could host them, you know. The owners cooked over 600 pizzas. They made so much money in tips that it paid for all of the food. Then they used the rest of the tips to buy gas for everyone, which was brought in on fuel trucks. The truckers have been getting a lot of support in each community where they stop. And as you can see here, all of these donations were donated from the people of Kingman, Arizona. And after the truckers got all of what they needed, there's still this much left. So they're asking others to grab a bag because there's going to be too much to carry. Then they had a meeting right outside of the pizza place. One of the organizers said the convoy had already doubled in size from when they started. So just remember, we want to try to keep any any bad people from either side of the aisle out of this mix the best that we can. This is about freedom and everybody has a right to be here as long as you remember that what this is truly about. We spoke with some people to find out why they are supporting the convoy to D.C. During the lockdowns, we lost so many of our freedoms, our constitutional rights. And a lot of the governors became dictators and thought they got to tell us what's up and what to do and take away our choices. They're not our boss. They're civil servants. That means they're voted in to do the will of the people. We're out here to fight for freedom in our country. We're losing our freedom. We're losing all of it. I'm so happy that the truckers are doing this, and I'm so proud of Canada, you know, because they they started this, and we're doing this for Canada, we're doing this for the United States, we're doing it for all people who want to be free. It's about time that, like, the peoples just say no. I mean, there's a sacred word that everyone can use. It's no. Use it. Invoke your freedoms. Don't ask for exemptions. Well, I was a tow truck driver for a long time, and I've been a driver most of my life for what I do for work, and I drive around the country playing music. So, um, yeah, I know these people. Come out, support this thing. Grow it up. Be standing with the people. It was 
That's who created this, uh, this country. This lady here is also a trucker, but she could not make the trip to D.C., so she came to show her support in person. This is really uniting us because we're talking the same language right now. We want freedom, and most of our truckers are veterans, so they understand freedom, and they're, they handed it down to us, and uh, we learned from them, so it's just a great movement. Great American Subs is just one of the many places the People's Convoy will stop at on their road to D.C., which some are calling the road to freedom. The next stop is Lepton, Arizona. Jason Perry, NTD News, Arizona. The number of Americans receiving unemployment benefits has fallen steadily since May of last year. We've now hit a 52-year low. A finance expert says the number's good, but like many things in life, it comes with some caveats. NTD's Miguel Moreno has the story. The number of people on unemployment benefits is shrinking. Right now, 1,476,000 Americans are collecting the benefits. We haven't seen a number this low in 52 years. It does come with a couple of caveats, though. Michael Bussler is a professor of finance at Stockton University. He says the low number is good, that it bodes well for the economy. But that number might be the product of generous pandemic benefits and their frugal beneficiaries. Most of the unemployed people today fall into two different categories, under 25 and over 55. Some of them are a little reluctant to go back to work for a number of reasons. The over 55 are still a little bit nervous about the virus being in a very susceptible position. Um, and the under 25s, now the ones I talk to, um, and I try to go out and find out why these people aren't working when there's so many jobs available to them, um, and they're not collecting unemployment uh, benefits anymore either because that ran out. So I said, well, how come you're not going back to work? How are you supporting yourself? And most of them told me that they made so much money being unemployed and they were able to save so much of it, they're living off of those unemployment benefits that they got uh, within the last year. On top of that, Bustler said folks he spoke with saved additional money by living rent-free for about two years, courtesy of eviction moratoriums. If people aren't looking for jobs and living on saved-up benefits, they can't claim unemployment aid. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that December ended with nearly 11 million job openings. Because the demand for labor is so high, Bustler says companies will have to replace labor with capital. This means machines will be used to fill those unwanted positions. Miguel Moreno, NTD News. Coming up, Republican lawmakers are calling attention to the U.S.-Mexico border crisis as the number of illegal immigrants skyrocketed in the past year and ranchers in Texas say they feel abandoned. In a viral video, a California teacher is seen bear-hugging and forcibly dragging out a student out of his class. The student's mother said her son respectfully refused to wear a mask and wanted to stay and learn without a mask on. And Hank the Tank, a large bear in California's Lake Tahoe, is not afraid of walking around town. Authorities say he hasn't hurt anyone but has damaged homes while looking for food. Find out more when we return with NTD News. A federal jury convicts three former police officers for violating the civil rights of George Floyd. They were all involved in Floyd's death in May of 2020. The three former officers, Tu Tao, J. Alexander Kang, and Thomas Lane, were charged with depriving Floyd of his right to medical care. Tao and Lane were also charged with failing to intervene to stop Officer Derek Chauvin. Prosecutors argued that the officers violated their training for failing to improve to move Floyd or give him CPR. Their defense team said they weren't trained properly and did not willfully violate Floyd's rights. The former officers were, will remain free on bond pending sentencing. They also face a separate trial in June on state charges. And the number of illegal immigrants at the U.S.-Mexico border has skyrocketed in the past year, and ranchers in Texas say they feel abandoned. Republican lawmakers visited the border this week to call attention to the crisis. And TD's Chenny Wu has the story. 
I'm ready to go to war over this. It's an invasion and we have a right in Texas to stop the invasion. Five congressmen joined five Texas state representatives on the southern border in Del Rio, Texas on Tuesday to discuss ways the state can secure its own border with Mexico. This is a, an issue for the people that live in Texas. They feel like they have been abandoned by their government. Local ranchers say they're struggling as illegal immigrants cross through their land almost every day. They're also dealing with drug and human traffickers that come across the border. Our safety, our safety at the ranch will never be the same. In 2021, Border Patrol agents made 1.3 million apprehensions of illegal immigrants crossing into Texas. That's up from about 320,000 in 2020. And that's not counting crossings into other border states, such as Arizona and New Mexico. State Representative Brian Harrison blames the surge on the White House. There has never been a greater marketing or advertising campaign for the human traffickers, the sex traffickers, the drug cartels than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's open border policies. President Biden's border policies that come under criticism include halting construction on former President Trump's border wall, reinstating the so-called catch-and-release system, putting limits on who ICE can arrest, and attempting to roll back the Remain in Mexico policy. U.S. Representative Chip Roy says that there are two solutions to the border crisis. Number one, Republicans are going to have to step up and uh, force a spending fight in Washington and say you're not going to get any money if you don't secure the border. Or number two, Texas is going to have to step up, shut down the ports of entry, or otherwise stand up and start actually having our own uh, law enforcement personnel remove people and send them back to Mexico. And he says that border states have to take matters into their own hands rather than waiting for Congress to act. We cannot wait three years. We cannot even really wait another year in hopes that there's Republicans in control of the House of Representatives. Texas has already started construction on its own state-funded border wall. Earlier this month, the federal government donated materials left over from Trump's construction project, worth about $6 million to the state. Chenny Wu, NTD News. In a viral video, a California teacher is seen bear-hugging and forcibly dragging a student out of class. The student's mother said her son respectfully refused to wear a mask and asked to stay and learn without a mask on. Here are the details. A teacher in San Bernardino County's Apple Valley Unified School District is caught on video forcibly dragging a student out of class on Wednesday morning for not wearing a mask. The teacher can be seen lugging the boy, Riley, who is taller than him. Riley's mom said this happened in his Spanish class. The teacher was speaking to him in Spanish, told him to put it on. Um, he, Riley said, no, thank you. I want to stay in class and do my work without a mask. And at that time, the teacher uh, said in Spanish to get out as he was going towards Riley. Um, it sounds like he tried to maybe two different times, like pick up his chair he was sitting in. So my son had stood up, sat back down. He was just trying to figure out kind of what was going on. Roper said on the second attempt, the teacher bear hugged him and removed him from class by force. She said Riley gets extremely embarrassed and his face turns reddish. And he was taken outside because of his mask. And then I guess once he was taken outside, the rest of uh, the class members, I think, all took their masks off, most of them. Like other parents and students in other school districts across the state, they have been protesting for mask choice for the past couple weeks. I'm not anti-mask by all means. I'm just pro-mask choice. I'm really fighting for my kids. It's sad to see all this going on with professional athletes and political leaders able to go amongst their normal life. And our kids have these masks on their face. It's um, getting in the way of learning. My five-year-old gets bloody noses every day. A spokesperson for the Apple Valley Unified School District said they are aware of the video circulating on social media. They are investigating the incident and appropriate outside agencies have been notified. All investigations are confidential and appropriate actions will be taken based on California law. Roper said she was told Riley will not have to come in contact with that teacher anymore. The California Globe reported that 24 school districts in 10 California counties are dropping the mask mandate. Eileen Ang, NTD News, California. 
Target stores have made wearing masks optional for all guests and employees, regardless of vaccine status. The policy is in effect at stores where local laws allow for it. NTD's Jason Blair brings us more. The Target Corporation announced that it will no longer require employees or shoppers to wear masks in their stores, regardless of vaccination status and as local regulations allow. The department store giant cites declining COVID infection rates with their announcement. They also stated, we'll follow all state and local COVID-19 safety regulations and encourage our team members and guests to consult the latest public health guidance, get vaccinated, and make decisions to keep themselves and their families safe. This is the latest update to the store chain's coronavirus response after sending a notification to employees on February 11th that vaccinated workers will no longer need to wear masks. Jason Blair, NTD News. For months now, a 500-pound black bear has been treat treating the residential Tahoe Keys area of South Lake Tahoe as his backyard. This exceptionally large black bear has so far caused damage to 33 homes and broken into 28 of them, according to officials. South Lake Tahoe police recently asked residents to stop calling about Hank the Tank saying our dispatchers are being inundated with these calls about Hank. It's affecting their ability to give their full attention to emergency calls. Police released photos earlier this month saying Hank broke into a secured home and somehow squeezed through the small window. The damage has gone on for seven months, according to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife on February 17th. Fortunately, the department said Hank has not attacked humans or pets. They said he severely food habituated and lost its fear of people. The nonprofit Bear League says that Hank is just doing what all bears do, looking for food. They're working with the Fish and Wildlife Agency to find an acceptable solution to Hank's future. Law enforcement indicates that they've responded to at least 81 bear incidents last year. And in Hank the Tank's case, authorities say there's over 150 reports of his appearance. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Ukrainians living in the UK whose relatives heard missiles in the early hours of the morning. Tennis star Novak Djokovic will lose his number one ranking after his loss today in the quarterfinals of the Dubai Championships. That and more in just a moment here on NTD News. Ukrainians living in the UK gathered together in solidarity today. They told NTD's Jane Werrell about their experience and how their friends and families heard shells in the early hours of the morning. For many Ukrainians who came together here opposite Downing Street in London, the last few days have been a whirlwind of emotions. Among them, Anna, who's lived in London for more than 16 years. You have family in Ukraine now. Have you been in touch with them? Yes, I, I received a message from my mom today around 4.30 o'clock in the morning that they heard very loud bank noises and missiles um, flying from Russia. They live only like 40 miles from a border with Crimea. And um, it's scary. It's absolutely unbelievable. Something that my brain still, you know, refuses to believe into. It's hard. We have family in Russia, we have family in Ukraine, and what are we going to do? Our, our family in Russia, they don't support Putin, they don't trust what he's saying. And It's been a tough time for Vladimir and Oksana, husband and wife who are software engineers. We were not able to sleep last couple of weeks because we were thinking that they, it could happen. So suddenly we wake up today and we realized that Putin started the full invasion. We start checking the news and, you know, lots of Ukrainian media are posting videos like uh, rockets and shellings all over the places. We are worried about our families and also we are very proud of our military and soldiers who are defending Ukraine. And, and I hope that UK will help. He's calling for military help from the UK and tougher sanctions, like others here. But some are holding on to hope. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to the reaction of the uh, West. It's just, I think it should have been done 
earlier. Yeah, so um, I, I still, what we can do, we, we still believe in Ukraine and we still hold for hope and um, and I think in the next few days they would be crucial and uh, I hope that uh, good decision, peace would be found, like way to peace would be, would be found. Uh, I was in Ukraine in the previous two revolutions and I know how crucial it was to fight for this freedom and what we achieved and how this uh, democracy was fragile but still then you it's, it's happening in front of your own eyes it's you feel like you're more involved and uh, you have your own role to play and you have elbows of your friends around and here that's a combination of anger of um I don't know how to explain what it is and how it feels, and I would never f wish to anyone to express what we feel right now. A few people here said they didn't feel ready to speak on camera because they felt it was too difficult. Inna tells me she decided to come here because she wants to be close with people from her country who can really understand and share what she's going through. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London. NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, are becoming a big part of the internet. They're entirely digital, but now you can buy some at a physical vending machine near Wall Street. An NFT vending machine near Wall Street in New York City is now open around the clock. We put the NFT vending machine near Wall Street because that's where a lot of early adopters for cryptocurrency and NFTs are. Jordan Bernholz is the chief marketing officer of NEO the Michigan company operating the vending machine. He says NFTs are the next big thing. I think that people are spending more and more of their time online. Um, in the same way that when steamships and railroads came along, we saw people collect stamps. And when urbanization and photography happened, we saw baseball cards. The machine sells virtual artworks of pigeons and digital color swath. The virtual pigeons sell for over $400 each, and the color swath sell for around $5 each. Bernholtz says they have already sold thousands of virtual artworks through the machine. We'll see how this pans out. There's no way to know right now about long-term value, but everyone's very interested in this market. Purchases at the vending machine get a little box with a QR code inside. They use the code to access the art and record their ownership. And how come this was 420 but they're not available anymore, and then you can find something for $6? What's the difference? Bernholz says they plan on opening additional NFT vending machines this summer in Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami and Las Vegas. Tennis star Novak Djokovic will lose his number one ranking after his loss today in the quarterfinals of the Dubai Championships. In his place, Russia's Daniil Medvedev is set to ascend the top spot. He previously lost in the Australian Open finals last month. It will mark the first time since February of 2004 that someone other than Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal and Andy Murray or Novak Djokovic is ranked the best tennis player. Djokovic has been number one for a to record total of 361 weeks or almost seven years. But he didn't participate in the Australian Open this past January due to his vaccination status and that's costing him. The rankings are based on tournament results over a rolling 52-week period. And Selection Sunday is just two and a half weeks away. And as college basketball comes down the home stretch, several teams have separated themselves from the pack. NTD's Dave Martin breaks down the contenders. The NCAA tournament's single elimination format usually means the best teams don't always advance to the Final Four or win the national title. That's what makes it March Madness, though. Let's look at the best teams out there, starting with Gonzaga. The Bulldogs have won 92% of their games since the start of the 2016-17 season, but have no national titles to show for it. This year, they are added again with a 23-2 record and have presumptive number one NBA draft pick Chet Holmgren leading the way. The seven-foot freshman has recorded double-doubles in six of his past seven games and ranks fourth in the country in blocked shots. Defending champion Baylor has non-conference wins over Villanova and Michigan State, but has lost to Texas Tech twice in conference play. Point guard James Akinjo has been one of their best players, leading the team in assists and hitting some big shots since transferring in from Arizona. Auburn's top four scorers are newcomers, with transfer players Walker Kessler, Wendell Green, and KD Johnson, along with freshman star Jabari Smith leading the way. 
While Smith is their high scorer, Kessler's shot blocking has been a huge difference maker. The sophomore center leads the NCAA with 4.7 rejections per game, forcing offenses to operate outside the paint. Kentucky also improved through the transfer portal, picking up forward Oscar Shibway, who leads the team in points in the country in rebounding at more than 15 a game. The bruising forward from the Congo dominated the paint in a commanding win over Kansas last month. The Wildcats' average scoring margin at a little more than 15 per game is currently fifth in the country. Arizona is 24-2 under first-year head coach Tommy Lloyd. The former Gonzaga assistant has led the team to wins over Illinois, USC, and UCLA as the Wildcats lead the Pac-12 race. Arizona is fourth in the country in scoring at nearly 85 points a game, and only Gonzaga has a higher scoring margin than the Wildcats' 18 points a game difference. Finally, we have Duke. The Blue Devils have won five national titles under Mike Krzyzewski, and should they do it again in his final season, it will most likely be due to the play of freshman star Paolo Boncaro. At 6'10", the do-everything forward is a near-impossible matchup on the perimeter and leads the team in scoring and rebounding. Duke actually beat Gonzaga back in November on a neutral court in what could be a title game preview. Dave Martin, NTD News, New York. Coming up, the icy waters off Antarctica are estimated to hold up to 550 million tons of krill, making them a target for fisheries. However, scientists now say that overfishing krill could imperil Antarctic wildlife. And intimate footage shows two of America's iconic raptors caring for their chicks to be atop a snow-dusted pine tree. The pair are nesting in Southern California, and the baby bald eagles are due any day. That and more here on NTD News. A tiny crustacean known as krill is the backbone of the ecosystem in Antarctic waters. But their abundance makes them a target for fishing fleets. And this has conservationists concerned. Olivia Chan reports. The icy waters off Antarctica are estimated to hold up to 550 million tons of krill. These tiny shrimp-like creatures are the linchpin in the Antarctic food web, sustaining a huge number of species, from penguins to humpback whales. They're also increasingly the target for human consumption. A growing krill industry has been scooping up the crustaceans for use in fish oil supplements and fish feed. Scientists and conservationists fear that could further imperil Antarctic wildlife. Antarctic krill are the keystone species in the Southern Ocean. Krill connect all the other species down there. It's impossible to overstate the importance of krill. This perceived abundance has led global fishing fleets to target Antarctic krill. Vessels from China, Norway, South Korea, Ukraine and Chile trawl the region's choppy waters from December to July. Under established rules within the Antarctic Treaty system, trawlers must stay largely confined to four areas of the Antarctic Peninsula. And the seasonal catch is capped at 680,000 tonnes. But polar scientists say the current limits may not go far enough to safeguard the food supply for wildlife. Some also say there are indications that the fleet's activity is harming wildlife. For the first time ever, it was reported that there were bycatch in the krill industry of whales, three juvenile humpback whales. And uh, it's actually unknown how they came about to be caught. Um, by in these by these continuous suction trawlers, they were definitely in poor body condition. They were starving, um, so it they suspect perhaps that the krill that the um, humpbacks were actually following the krill trawlers to try to get krill and somehow got caught up in their systems and nets. But it, it seems uh, really troubling that there were actually three of them that were caught this year when that's never happened before. The fishing company, Norway's Akia Biomarine, says it has since reinforced its ship's devices to keep marine mammals out of its nets. The krill industry is set to grow significantly in the next decade. Fish farming, which uses krill as feed, is the world's fastest growing food sector. 
And the krill oil market is projected to rise to more than $900 million by 2026. That's according to a report by global industry analysts. We're really concerned because the krill fishery is overly concentrated in certain areas around the Antarctic Peninsula. And that means that they are taking a lot of fish from very small areas where all the predators are also congregated. So we have huge colonies of penguins um, and the krill fishery is operating right off their shores of these colonies. Mindful of the threat krill fishing poses to penguins, eight companies have pledged to stay at least 19 miles away from key breeding colonies during incubation and chick rearing season. Well, for some couples, a cozy winter is under a blanket or next to a fire. A pair of bald eagles is riding out the snowy season atop a pine tree with a dusting of snow. But while they may face the elements, their two eggs are warm inside. Streaming video gave a peek into the home life of the two bald eagles and their chicks-to-be near Southern California's Big Bear Lake. The video, provided by Friends of Big Bear Valley, shows a mother eagle, Jackie, and her mate, Shadow, tending to their two eggs. Shadow is on nesting duty when Jackie returns, and the pair swap roles. Their first egg was laid just over a month ago, on January 22nd, while the second came three days later. Friends of Big Bear Valley say the chicks should be hatching soon. The morning footage was shot on Wednesday at the Eagle's 145-foot-high nest. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.